Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, October the 15th, 2021, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we're in the chapter Working with Others on page 91. We'll be reading and commenting on the third paragraph that begins, See Your Man Alone, as po- if possible. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Barb W., the 12 Traditions, Annette M., readers of the text, Sam S., Katie G., and Nancy T. Our newcomer greeter is Silvana G., and our second-hour host is Leslie M., and thank you for your service today. OA preamble, oh, excuse me, the share IDs for yesterday, Thursday, October the 14th, 2021. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 17,921. That's 17921. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 17,922. That's 17922. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover. Through abstinence and practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Barb W. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Barb W., gratefully recovered in Illinois. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to serve. Have a lovely day. 
Thank you, Barb W. And I will now ask Annette M. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, my name is Annette M. I'm from Toronto. I'm gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Tradition three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Tradition four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Tradition six, as OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Tradition seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Tradition eight, Overeater Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but, one, but our service centers may employ special workers. Tradition nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Tradition 10, Overeater Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Tradition 11, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and bill. Tradition 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Annette M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 91. We are reading the third paragraph and commenting on that one paragraph. And I'll now ask Sam S. to please begin reading. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for leading. My name is Sam S. I'm a recovered compulsive eater. See your man alone if possible. At first, engage in, engage in general conversation. After a while, turn the talk to some phase of drinking. Tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences 
to encourage him to speak of himself. If he wishes to talk, let him do so. You will thus get a better idea of how you ought to proceed. If he is not communicative, give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit, but say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. If he is in a serious mood, dwell on the troubles liquor has caused you, being careful not to moralize or lecture. If his mood is light, tell him humorous stories of your escapades. Get him to tell some of his. Uh, the first thing I notice is it says to see your man alone. And for me, when I show up in a crowd, um, that means my ego is there. So when I finally talk to someone about what was going on, it was alone. It was one-on-one, -on -one, and it was a really quiet conversation. It was the first time that I was really... Um, last year that I was really able to tell somebody exactly what I was doing and they didn't sugarcoat it um, and say to me that it was okay or that it wasn't a big deal. I've had very kind, well-meaning people do that and what they were really doing was like co-signing on me dying um, because I am dying and if my alcoholic foods or food behaviors are different from other people, um, it, it, they are what they are for me. And so I can't just try to copycat somebody else's recovery and abstinence. Um, I, I had to tell someone the habits, symptoms, and experiences. So for me, especially with uh, anorexia and exercise, bulimia, the rules that I was putting, you know, I was putting rules on being afraid to step on my scale, um, eating certain foods that I was afraid of. Uh, and I, and I had to tell somebody and also I was, I, it was done in a way that the person didn't, um, didn't make me feel ashamed, didn't make me feel, uh, wrong or stupid. Uh, they just, they heard it out and they honored it. And, um, hearing some of, uh, those examples too, from their own helped me to also uncover other things. It says that to to him the alcoholic life is the other is the only normal one. I didn't realize that some of my food behaviors were not um, were not so I guess sober and they weren't spiritually fit. Uh, so I I really I I appreciated you know the testimony of people, the people that could give me hope that they were on the other side because they had put the food down, it worked the steps and gained uh, a relationship with the God of their understanding. I didn't understand, I didn't think it was gonna work, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I had been in, in the program for years and I had you know, tried to work every step except for step one. So that, that explains why I didn't get anywhere. Um, but I could take it to the bank because I believed them. I believed for them that they had gone, that they had gone through it, that they were engaging and that they weren't doing it, they weren't suffering and that they were happy. Um, it, that life was happening. They weren't happy all the time, but, but they weren't suffering anymore. And that was what I needed and I wanted. And having that person that could talk to me and not make me feel stupid or bad, um, that reminded me that I was sick was so important. So that way I could get abstinent, start working the steps and start my, my journey to get to God, which is, it, it's, unbelievable Time. but it's possible thank you with that i pass thank you sam s and although we value your experience 
We ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you shared on any of the vision meetings on Wednesday or Thursday, if you'll hold back. And who would like to share on what was read this morning? Lauren A. Lauren A. Larry K. Larry K. Vasa O. Vasa O. I missed the other person. On M. Oh, on. Okay. On M. Anybody else? Okay. I have I have Lauren A, Larry K, Vasa O, and Ann M. Lauren A, please share with us. Good morning. This is Lauren A from Minnesota. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm glad I got in this morning. It's hard for me to get on live um, because of my work schedule, but I'm not working today, so glad to be here. Um, the, I have a, a sentence highlighted here, and that's the one that stood out to me again, is that um, tell him enough about your drinking habit, habit symptoms and experiences to encourage him to speak of himself. Um, I've been at a, a, a close to normal weight for a long time, so a lot of people just can't imagine that I am a too compulsive eater. But of course, I've got some pictures to prove that I that I certainly am, and and you know I know that even when I'm at a relatively normal weight, I I'm, I can be in the in the depths of my disease. So um, that's that's one of the things I like to do, and I have. Um, I have some humorous stories and some ugly uh, ugly stories too. And the you know the part about being careful not to moralize or lecture. You know there's there's a, a lot of misconception about about what it is to be a compulsive overeater and it's it, you know you must be bad, you must be stupid, you must be lazy, you know all kinds of negative things instead of just it's a sickness and um and I have it. And I'm glad that the first speaker brought up about the fear of food because I'm just a compulsive overeater. I'm not anorexic or bulimic. And, and so it's a, a way harder for me to understand. But I have noticed um, my, my grandson, I'm pretty sure, is anorexic. And I can tell that he is afraid of food. And that just is, it's hard for me to grasp, but I, I, I believe that's real. Um, and I like the par- far part about, um, you know, getting... Get get him to tell some of his, um, you know, to just keep the conversation going, and share with each other about about what you have in common. And I guess that's all I have. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren A. and Larry K. You're up, followed by Vasa O. Oh, thanks so much, uh, Larry K. Recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. If, he's, if he is in a serious mood, dwell on the troubles liquor has caused you. You know, at this point, I, I doubt that this, you know, this prospect is really in the mood to hear about God's grace or, or, or like God's illumination of my consciousness, you know. Um, what's going to capture his interest the most is, is hearing about the unmitigated suffering I experienced at the hands of this disease. So there's not going to be any talk with that guy of transformation at this point, I'm going to be talking about torture, you know, my own torture. No, no, no talk of an awakening. 
I'm going to talk about the, the agony of this disease. I'm not, I'm not going to be talking about promises. I'm going to be talking about pain, you know, lay the pain on them. But, but sincere pain, that's what's going to get his attention. And I can talk about my pants cutting into my waist. I can share about the horror of taking my shirt off in public all those years. You know, my dieting escapades, the, the, the cabbage soup diet, throwing out hundreds of dollars worth of uh, Nutrisystem. You know, the lock that my wife said, hey, let's put a lock on the, on the uh, you know, on the, on the pantry. You know, the shame of that, as if that, as if I couldn't get to my heroin in five minutes, which I did. No lock was going to keep me from that. See, why, why do I focus on the pain? Because anything that numbs or avoids pain for that person undermines his ability to look at corrective behavior. See, the, the, the pain of putting down the food um, is pain, you know, it has to become greater than the pain of picking it up. So another way for me to look at carrying the message is when I, as the carrier of this message, act as a buffer to their pain, that serves to prolong their suffering. It's like me showing up in a, in a Halloween like Kit Kat costume. You know, I, I might bring a smile or a chuckle to their face or make them, ch you know, laugh, but, but rest assured, I'm getting in the way of God's healing grace despite my good intentions. So I don't want to, at this point, dodge the seriousness of this illness. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Vasa O, you're up, followed by Ann M. Thank you. Thank you for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Oveda, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. I'm, I'm always trying to pass it to others, as it was freely given to me from my other, my sponsor and other people, and going to my programs. I talk to people about my pain and my suffering first. When I see them, they are going through that pain and suffering. I went to a wedding last Saturday, and uh, my brother told me that his grandson has been in a in and out detox, and now he's living in a in a halfway house. So I, it talks here. So you. So your man alone. Oh, see your man alone if possible. So I took him on the side, and I said to him, "I know what you're going through," and I told him how proud I was of him, and he had had the biggest smile on his face. He's only 20 years old. Can you imagine finding this program so early in life? If he sticks with, if he sticks with what he would be in the future life, but he says. Auntie, I feel wonderful. I'm, I, I feel so good. And I'm in the fourth step now. Can you imagine? Some people take forever to get to the fourth step. But he's eager. He, eager. he was ready and willing. And I could share my experience with him. And um, I don't bring the food too much when I'm dealing with alcoholics because they don't understand that part yet. But I do with others. I'm a walker, and I saw my neighbor walking. I didn't even recognize her. She looked wonderful. She had gone through a divorce a couple years ago, and she said, I just let myself go. She was going to, she's going to the Weight Watchers. You know what I said? I'm so happy for you. You look wonderful. I said, but, you know, I remember going to the Weight Watchers. 
I needed something more with it later. I found something better. And I said, if you have a problem, you know, I will give you a number you can listen to. And she was so happy to hear about that. So, um, and my other neighbor, my daughter's best friend, uh, 54 years old, she's suffering with the alcohol, you know. And it was, she, she came to me. She said, I am done. They're telling me alcohol is depressing. I am so depressed. I'm a mess with my life. So she started going to AA. So I tried to be, to meet them where they are. And I don't talk too much about God because I know how afraid I was of God when I came to the program. But I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I wanted to stop eating. And yes, I did get on my knees. I was ready and willing to surrender, even if it meant to God, because I couldn't do this alone. Thank you for letting me share. And it works if we work it. And I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Ann M., you're up. Hi, Lisa. This is Ann M. here, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Ireland. Can you? Can I be heard okay? Yes, thank you. Brilliant. Thanks, Lisa, and thanks for your service. Um, yeah, great paragraph again. And, you know, it's all about step 12 and carrying the message. And, uh, yeah, I love the part where it, it starts off, you know, see a man alone if possible. And I think that's the part where, you know, it's the respect for, you know, to approach a, a, a prospect. And I think it's just, you know, honouring my anonymity and also the potential prospect. And, you know, it is that part where, we meet each other, you know, halfway. We're both on the same, you know, whether I'm recovered and the person I'm approaching is not. It is that respect and that mutual, you know, just the equal of both of us. And engage in general conversation. Yeah, I just love that again. It's very humbling and it's very, um, brings me right-sized. You know, we're all human beings on a spiritual path looking for a solution, a common solution. Um, and just, you know, talking to some phase of my own drinking. And I think that's where we just bring in, you know, the identification and uh, being able to identify as a compulsive overeater myself. And then talking about my habits, symptoms and experiences. I think that just helps me to, you know, bring down to the potential or to the prospect, you know, that the hopelessness of the disease, but also the hope in you know, finding a solution. So it's just outlining my habits, symptoms and experiences, you know, just a hopeless case and the hopeless state that this disease brought me to, but also the hope that there is a solution there as well. And I just love the way it says, you know, you will get the, you will just get a better idea of how, how you ought to proceed. And that just really brings me to, you know, meeting that person where they're at. You know, everybody is different. And it's like, you know, whether they're a prospect or whether they are a sponsee, you know, we are all individuals on the same path looking for the same solution. But it's just, you know, meeting the person where they're at because we've all come from different, different, different places. Everybody's experienced pain, but pain of different levels. And, you know, I just think it's just... um, you know, dwell on the trouble liquor has caused you. And this is the part, I think, for me, where I bring in, you know, the severity of, you know, how this how this disease is fatal, progressive and permanent. It's the severity, but always bringing it in because there is a solution behind, you know, seeing the fatality and seeing the, 
you know, the destruction of this disease, bringing in the hope as well that that I that I have a have a have a solution, but I am not the solution. Their higher power is, but that's obviously not for the for the first meeting. So with that, I pass. And thanks again, Lisa, for your service. Thank you, Anne M. And before we take another list of names, just a reminder that we are reading from page 91 in the chapter, Working with Others, the third paragraph that begins, see your man alone if possible. And who else would like to share this morning? Shanna C. Lisa G. Shanna C. Lisa G. Leia S. Melissa C. Anybody else? Bruna D. Bruna, maybe? No, I have to. Yeah, yeah, Bruna D. Okay, Devora F. Okay, that's perfect. Well, I'll tell you what I have. I have Shannon C., Lisa G., Leia S., Melissa C., Bruna D., and Devora F. So, Shannon C., please share with us. Good morning. This is Shanna C., a grateful recovered compulsive eater. Um, thank you so much for this meeting and uh, glad to be abstinent today. Uh, miracle for my life. Um, yeah, so uh, in working with, you know, with others and, and things, um, God, I'm praying for the words and the delivery here. Um, one of the things that really jumped out in, re- in reading this paragraph is how when working with someone, my tendency... And that is just self, and I can recognize that, and I can ask God to remove that and to, and to guide me in being helpful with people, is the tendency to get into the outcome. That if I follow these rules to the letter um, and these directions to the letter, then this person is going to magically get, get it, understand, and <laughs> work these steps and have a miraculous recovery, and it all be because of me. Um, <laughs> that's not true. Oh my gosh, I found this so true in my experience where, you know, we try to carry this message. And these are the most helpful suggestions these folks who wrote this book can give us based on their experience. It doesn't mean that that I'm going to be the author and the perfecter of this person's spiritual awakening. It just means I'm given some suggestions on how to be of maximum helpfulness in this situation with this person at this moment. I met people who, you know, will call me or whatever, and I'll be helping them or whatever, and they're willing to go to absolutely any length, absolutely desperate, and the next day, hey, I'm not ready. It doesn't mean that, you know, I don't feel like I don't have the power to, to make someone recover. All I can do is share and that is that is powerful. And by doing that, by trying to carry this message, um, I get to I get to keep what I have, you know, by giving it away. So anyway, that's all I have this morning. Uh, grateful I'm not in charge of all of it. I just get to show up and be helpful. Thanks. Thank you, Shanna C. And Lisa G. You're up, followed by Leah S. Hi, this is Lisa G. from New Mexico. And I was just um, reflecting and so very grateful that we have this direction there. Um, I was thinking back uh, 17 years ago when I even first entered 12-step, you know, the, the rooms. I would have went out running, running, had um, the person who approached me at that time 
who became my very, very first sponsor, I would have left had I heard everything that was going to be presented and offered and that I would experience, and many good things. But right at that moment, when I finally got the courage, again, in my head, I was simply looking for a diet. I wanted a diet. I did not sign up for all these other things. Um, and grateful, grateful I've stayed. Um, I have 40 days back to back, um, and it's taken me a long time to get this. But I'm so grateful for these directions, and I've been on the other side of sponsoring, and it is, it's having this balance of, because I also know how it is, you know, brand new and brand new abstinence, you're just so excited and you want to just shout it out and share it. Um, so anyways, I'm just very grateful uh, to everyone and to this program and to another way and for willingness. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you, Lisa G. And Leah S., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Leah, press star one. We can't hear you. Okay. Here we go again. Well, there you are. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Leah S. N. Recovered. I'm very grateful in Brooklyn, New York. So, um, I, I, before I even start off, I want to say that I'm abstinent since uh, October of two thousand. Um, uh, 26th of 2014. And this is not being said because of grandiosity or any kind of thing. I myself am amazed that I'm able to say seven years back-to-back abstinence and growth and growth out of pain, out of misery, out of uh, situations that are unbearable, out of serious, serious um, stuff. And um why Why am I coming back? I mean, come on, you know, if you have about three years of, under your belt you know, where you're abstinent back-to-back, you, it, it just gets uh, to be a way of life. But you know what? This disease is so cunning. It is so bad. It is it is just lurking behind the, behind the uh, curtain, so to speak. And um, when I hear one of my sponsees or I hear anyone on this line talking about the pain that they're going uh, through, I remember the intensity of my pain. And I need to remember that. I need to know that this is truly, truly the way that, you know, to get that that lurking notion out of my head and and to maintain myself. And, um, yes, I need to hear what you're going through, that suffering, so that I can remember my own and I can remember where and how I got here. And it is possible. It is. I'm in awe. That's all that I wanted to share. I'm in awe. Really, really am. (laughs) And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Leah S. And Melissa C., you're up, followed by Bruna D. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for your service this morning. Um, my name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. Um, you know, there's so much good stuff in this paragraph. First, the, the idea of seeing your man alone. And I think, like, how can I apply that in this age where so many of us um, meet our, you know, potential people that we're going to work with via the phone? And, and yet there is the seeing the person alone. And I found that it's really effective um, to meet with people who are interested in being helped via Zoom. I like to look at someone's face. I want to look in their eyes. I want to hear, you know, um, give them like a, like a space where, you know, like I know I'm driving in the car right now and I'm like on my way to work, but I'm taking the time and I'm like in a room quiet and alone with them, even across the country. I can get a sense of them a little bit more. And, um, you know, and I think like, we're told that this intensive work with others, whether they recover or not, or do anything or not, is what gives me immunity, right? And I think, well, yeah, because in telling my story over and over and over again, um, I'm getting, I'm getting like close contact with the pain of my own disease, unless I forget, right? It's hard to forget when you're consistently working with other people, retelling your stories and listening to theirs. And so I do, I really try to ask people what's going on in your life and, and, and listen, like really try to listen and match their mood with, I've got a million stories. Like, you know, I, I guess this is where we don't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. I've got a million stories of pain and suffering, and i got some humorous ones too. And I can kind of take out those stories and match, you know, um, match where they're at. And, you know, so I think, you know, for myself, um, my my last binge, I ate with my mouth wet. And that's what I leave with. And, you know, it's funny because the people who often call, they want to say right away there's an eager and enthusiasm that they want to know, okay, so what do I have to eat? What do I have to do? And I have to, like, take a deep breath dial back my own enthusiasm because I can I can be like a gangbuster and tell them exactly what they need to do. Um, but that's not helpful because before I can help somebody or direct someone on what they might need to do, we have to make sure that there's a necessity that they're going to need to do those things. And then, you know, driving home the, the hopeless feature of this malady, whether we do it through humorous stories or the crushing painful ones, when I drive home that this is hopeless, then people are more receptive to follow directions and do whatever it takes to get well. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Bruna D., you're up, followed by Devorah F. Bruna, star one, we can't hear you. Okay, maybe I'll come back to, to Bruna. Devorah S., are you available? Can I be heard? 
Yes, she could be heard. You can be heard. Thank you. Devorah S? Yes. What page, please? Uh, page 91, third paragraph, see your man alone, if possible. So I'm looking for Bruna D or Devorah S. Seeing neither one or hearing neither one of them. Devorah S. Like here. Here. Oh, here I am. there's Devorah. Okay. I'm sorry. Thank you. Okay. I don't know what that was. Um, I, am I being heard? Okay. I don't. There was some some terrible noise on the line. Is that Devora? I don't know. This is me now. Can you hear me? Okay. okay? Perfect. Yes, I can hear you fine. Please go ahead. Thank you so much. I I don't know what that was about. My name is Devora S, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And thank you all on the line that makes this meeting possible. Well, tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences to encourage him to speak of himself. You know, the one thing that kept me coming back to OA is hearing people talk in the rooms about how they couldn't stop eating and how they were full of pain and humiliation and the stories that they told just kept me coming back because, honestly, I thought I was the only one who did those things. I thought, you know, no one knew... No one ate the way I ate. No one felt the way I felt. And I was all alone in this thing until I came here to these rooms and I heard other people share their experiences. And what I get from today, what I get from this all these years later is that it's my responsibility to share my experience with other people who are looking and who want it and who, and who want to get better because that's how I got better and we have to pass it on. And what better way to do it is with our experience. Um, And, you know, we get that on a, you know, I see people all the time. And, and, you know, dieting and food is a hot topic. People are always talking about it. The holiday season's coming. This is coming. Like, uh, you know, and they're always talking about the latest thing. And, um, And people see me, you know, I eat the same. They see me at lunchtime. They see me at different places. You know how, how I, you know, have my food with me, and you know, all I can do is I. That's how I I carry the message, during doing that, um, and um, and I share I share my experience when they say you're still doing that already, and you still do that after all these years. Yeah, I still do that all these years, and I take out my picture and I said, do you remember what I look like? You know, and. I have a picture I carry around with me. It's my old license, my driver's license. It fits right into a into my wallet, and I pull it out, and I say, do you remember that? Or, or someone who doesn't know me from all the years, and they, you know, they start talking about, you know, how they're struggling, and I say, I know how you feel. I've been there. I know. And I just whip out my picture, and they look at it, and they say, what? They can't believe it. I'm maintaining 150-pound weight loss. But, you know, I do not get into you know, the spirituality of this program. Just that picture tells a thousand words. And, you know, I give them information. I give them meeting numbers. I, you know, I share my experience. And some of them, they come around, and some of them don't. They're not there yet. But I planted a seed. That's all I can do. And um, and then sometimes I meet them later, and they say, oh, are you still doing that? Yep, I'm still doing that. So, 
You know, we are our boat. We are our best. We here are our best way to get people to keep coming back. Just keep doing what we're doing on a daily basis and and um, spreading the message that way. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Devorah F. And I will reach out to Bruna D. One more time before we take another list of names. We are reading on page 91, the third paragraph that begins, see your man alone if possible. And who else would like to share? Pete B. Margaret D. Was there somebody else? I have Pete B. and Margaret D. Anybody else? KDF. KDF. Judy K. Judy K. Okay, let's go with that. Um, Pete B., Margaret D., KDF, Judy K. Pete B., please share with us. Thank you, Margaret. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overheater recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Thanks for taking the meeting and thanks for calling on me. I heard a lot of really good things. And, uh, you know, um, our, you know, it, it, it says, you know, in how it works, no matter how far, how far down the scales we have gone, we can see how our experience can help others, right? And, you know, we have been, we have been provided with experience that other people that have the condition can relate to, and that is so valuable. For some of us, it might be our only asset, you know what I mean? Like, that might be the only thing we have is the pain and the suffering and the guilt and the horror and the shame and remorse of our past experience, right? And, and you know, it's not up to the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous to deprive any individual of their pain. It's not up to us, right? Because it, that, 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 that's, that's the motivator. The only problem with pain is that it has no memory, right? It has no lasting memory. And, and, you know, it, to, to think that because I show up and share my pain, my experience with somebody else, that that'll bring it to mind, right, the, the memory of my pain, well, that's a mental defense, right? And the book said we have no mental defense. So going and showing and carrying the message, the fact that it brings into my, into my consciousness the things that I went through, I will one day minimize that. You know, we don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm told I've never given birth, but I'm told that people never remember the pain experience from childbirth, right? So we have built-in forgetters. We, we, we slowly but surely reduce this, the, the significance of the pain in our life, right? What, what we have, what we in fact have, if you have this disease as defined in this book, is we have been, being, we have been delivered to a state of neutrality through grace and mercy, an unmerited gift, right? The book says we have been given the power, that we have been given the power to help others through our example, right? And this gift, the, the, you know, in my belief is the higher power is given this gift to the most unworthy of individuals, right? To the most unworthy, like the, the, like the you know, like, the, you know, I don't know, worse than society, but right to like, so, so this gift has to be given away because we have been given this special power, right? Doctors can't do it. Lawyers can't do it. The most learned individuals in the world can't convince the sufferer, 
right? It's only somebody who has been through it. And that's what, what our responsibility is, is to share this gift. And if we don't share this gift, I don't believe that the higher power will take it away. But we'll, our, own, our own makeup, right, will make it, will, will, will just, will cause it to go away, right? So we have to stay in good graces. We have to stay, we have to, we have to freely give this gift that we've been given away so that we can keep it. Right, and I can't think that it's because now I've had this practical application of these principles and these and these this way of life and a way of measuring my food and way of measuring my emotions and getting my reach around calls done and all these other. It's great. Time. It's grace. Give it away. Thanks for that, Pat. Thank you, Pete B. And Margaret D. You're up, followed by KDF. Thank you, ma'am. Good morning. Uh, my name is Margaret D, and I'm a very grateful recovered compulsive eater in in Georgia. And a big, big welcome to the still suffering compulsive eater. So, in these paragraphs <clears throat> or in these sentences, um, in working with somebody else, for me, it's like a tennis game. I hit the ball to you, you hit the ball back to me. Now, how you hit it back to me is entirely how you do it. I mean, I can't, you know, direct you how to do it or say it must be done specifically in this amount of time or whatever. And my only purpose in the beginning is just to carry the message. And what's the message? I've got a disease. There's a solution, and um, there is a power out there or in here, you know, that can help me, well, that can um, relieve me of this condition or whatever, however it is that you want to put it. So um, what I'm learning to do is the first suggestion about um, see your person alone if possible. If I'm at a awards dinner, I don't want to be sitting next to the person or, you know, start a conversation with the person next to me about how their, how their weight can be handled or whatever. But if I'm in a lunch room and it's just me and another person at another table and we're the only ones in there, that person, this is how I felt when I first started out. I felt safe because there was nobody around. And part of the disease for me is being so overwhelmingly concerned with what other people think of me and how they feel about me. And I've got to present myself in the best light. Um, me, 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 sung to the tune of I, I, I. So if I'm in a private place, a lot of that disappears because I don't have that pressure of what is somebody else going to think about me if they hear this discussion. And so then from there, I can start talking about things that happened to me. Um, and I could start right there with, I couldn't even talk about my weight if there is more than one person in the room. I was so embarrassed and humiliated. Um, and once we, you know, so that's where I throw the, 
or the ball is hit to them, they may hit it back to me. They may not. I don't know. I mean, they may do it in their head, and I may not conscious. And I'll wrap it up with this. Um, what I want to be able to depart, if I can, is first of all, whatever they're going through happened to me. And then the next thing is, yeah, I felt like you do. And then the most important is, yes, I do believe that what worked for you can work for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Margaret D. And KDF, you're up, followed by Judy K. Good morning. This is KDF, a recovery compulsive overeater. And when I first read this paragraph, I thought, I haven't helped anybody. Like, who have I ever helped? How have I, I've never, you know, been asked to meet with someone alone and I've never, you know, can be really negative. And so the shares today have really reminded me of the woman who carried the message to me. And I've been asking it for 34 years and she carried such a gentle yet convincing message to me and it could have been so different because I had known her by that time for six years. I had been calling her on and off for six years and I was 27 years old so six years is a long time at that age is what over 20% of my life and um, so if I had called her and said you know whatever I said, and she said, you again, you know, or, or, you know, just been really um, hard nosed about what, you know, how come you keep picking up the food? Why can't you just get this? Why don't you follow directions? Why don't you do what I'm telling you? Or anything that, you know, might go through people's minds, um, you know, but she didn't do that. She carried a message of, you know, I, I went to this meeting and, and I think you might like it. And she told me when it was, and, and I went. And, you know, that's what I try to do with others. And I can't moralize or judge others. I don't, I don't know where they're at. I don't know if they're ready to do what I do. I don't know if they're ready to pick up this spiritual toolkit or if they're, you know, desperate, dying, and doomed. That's what I had to be. But no one could really tell that from the outside because I put on a happy face most of the time. Um, and you know, I can't be that judge for someone else. I just have to carry the message. Whoever I run in, I'm in contact with, whoever calls me and says, you know, someone gave me your name. So what is it you do? And I tell them what I do. And I don't say, you know, <laughs> I just try to be gentle, kind, and loving. And, you know, that's all this is saying for us to do is to, to give our experience. You know, my experience is that when I put down the food 100% and I stopped saying yes, but, and giving excuses for why I couldn't do what you were telling me to do because my life is too hard, it's, I'm too busy, I'm too whatever, um, or I didn't mean to, I didn't realize, or I, I don't know what I was thinking, and all those excuses that I had, and I just um, faced this disease, and when I am getting crazy thinking, call it out quickly, um, then I'm able to, you know, carry a message. And I don't know if I've helped anybody or not, but I'm abstinent today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, KDF. And Judy K, you're up. Hi, this is Judy K, recovered in 
Kerry, North Carolina. Thank you, moderator, for your service and everyone who is sharing today. So in reading this paragraph, which I probably read a hundred times, reading it again today, it's amazing to me that there's something else that I learned from it. See your man alone if possible. And hearing that when we meet a person, um, thank God for the telephone because that's how we really, <laughs> how we really can meet people alone. But um, the the um, the um, idea of meeting a person where they're at, I recognized, and this is the first time I'm really seeing it, that throughout. Throughout all of my recovery and working with others, I haven't always met people where they're at. I generally would meet them where I'm at, especially if they're asking me, how did you do it? How did you do it? What are you doing? How did you do it? And answering their question rather than meeting them where they're at. Um, And it's really very important to do that because uh, when somebody's first starting, they need to be heard. Yes, they want information, but I'm ready to give them two and a half years of recovery in five minutes. That's ridiculous. So meeting them where they're at <clears throat> means at first engage in a general conversation, not all the details. <clears throat> I can get bogged down in the, the details. And as my book is falling apart, on the first page for my first person that took me through the steps um, before I got to vision, um, I wrote and had me write on the front cover, and I am willing to go to any lengths to recover. She had me write that in, right here in my book. And the lengths that I have to go to today is to really be of service and to meet people where they are and to be as effective as I can by following the instructions in the book. Um, So, yes, I'm here to give information and to be helpful, um, but I can't overload people with my my story. I like to give people my story, and and it's appropriate to give people my story, but I can't hang on um, (laughs) to their ear for forever. So thank you, everybody, for being there, and um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Judy Kay. Um, We have one minute if anybody has a burning desire. Hi, Pete. I didn't hear who that was, but go ahead. Hi, everybody. This is Chaya P. Grateful Recover Compul- Recovering Compulsive Overeater Bulimic Restrictor in. I live in Denver, Colorado, and currently in New Jersey. Just really quickly, it's been a great meeting, and thank everyone for sharing and welcome anyone who's new. What really jumped out at me is, you know, if he's in a, you know, dark mood, down mood, meet them there, tell them the sad stories, and if they're in a light mood, you know, bring some humor. And, you know, what that tells me is meet them where they're at, um, which is what my sponsor did with me, and um, and really, you know, it takes listening to be able to kind of take the emotional temperature of where that person is and be able to 
meet them where they're at and help, um, you know, help identify. And I'm just so grateful for the people that have done that with me. And um, just really grateful to be here and grateful for, um, you know, this chapter. It goes into such depth and, uh, and nuances. Thanks. Thank you, Hyatt P. And thank you to everyone who shared today. <clears throat> Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Friday, October the 15th, 2021, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 17,925. That's 17925. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Katie G., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hey, Lisa. Good morning. Thanks for taking the meeting. Katie G. recovered in Boston. A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.